Those beans in July in Atlanta. (laughs) I do because I'm not happy with my hair. So I need to get it cut. So I've just been wearing hats or beanies. You don't you don't do the self cut? I did until I went to a wedding and I got a professional haircut and then I haven't got a cut since. And I, I probably I want to get it professionally cut again, but you know, it's time and money. I saw, dude, I haven't I haven't had someone cut my hair in years. Ditto. Yeah. I just started that probably less than six months ago. So cutting your own hair? Yeah. How's it going? It looks good um, from here. Well, I have I have a wife that can use the clippers from behind when I yeah. don't have a mirror that I'm doing well with. Oh, look at you with your life partner who can help you yeah, out with you know, those situations. You know, you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I got one. Um, uh, Alexana, you want to say hi? <laughs> hi. <laughs> now, she's cut my hair, uh, what, what, every two years or something? You just chop off the ponytail? <laughs> and roughly the way I cut my own hair, too. <laughs> the thing is, she's been lying to me. She's like, you know, there are countries you can send the hair to, and they... They give it to bald children or like charity. And, uh, you know, like a couple months ago, I found a drawer with all of my hair in it. <laughs> got returned. I didn't put enough. It got returned. I didn't put enough postage on it. Oh, I thought there it was a quality issue. I'm like, uh-uh. Oh, dude. <laughs> okay. I thought oh. this was one of your witchcraft things you were working on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Alejandro Jodorowsky was like, dude, you got to cut your ponytail. Mail it save to it, a save it for two years, <laughs> dude. Tony, what's up, man? I'm so excited to finally be talking to you. How's it going? Good to see you. Eh, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Tony knows we're we're down here in the same weather. It's uh, man, it is brutal down here. I yeah, I and for this and Randy, you're welcome. But I turned off my AC in my room. Because I don't, uh, I, I knew that the noise was going to be a little weird, so I'm I'm roughing nice. it here. I think we'll be okay for for an hour. Now oh, what? Boo hoo! Tony turned off three fans, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true. We're making sacrifices, is what I'm saying. Well, Tony, man, I'm so excited to to have you on, and I was almost a little worried that you were going to bring Charlie with you, as you know, last week we had a. Uh, Jacob Ernestus on <laughs> and he brought his kids and I was like what is the show turning into <laughs> yeah when I, when I heard that I didn't hear that episode until yesterday and I'm like oh maybe there was an opportunity for that yeah I, there was there was no way I could figure how to work that out <laughs> I'm not it, I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> it it's tough you know the thing the, the most charming quality about Clark and I've known him for a while now is the shift in personality when there's a small child around. He becomes the most endearing, loving, uh, well-put-together, just kind person. And then they leave the room, and he's miserable and self-destructive again. But (laughs) he'll turn it on for children. I kind of love it. Because I'm on their same level. (laughs) I understand them. My, my My dream episode is getting Clark to guest on an episode of Carnival Magic. Oh, that would be. <laughs> Please, I'm there. I'm oh there. God. You know, so, Tony would be the one to like navigate a show with you, dude. You do such a good job with Charlie. I'm almost like, so the episode I've been sitting on that I wanted to listen to was it, and I'm like, how do you even, 
how is this going to go? Like, I can't even imagine you approaching it. And I just listened to both of your blob episodes. So I'm like, are we are we doing the book or the movie here? I'm guessing it's the made for TV movie. The, um, the, the are you talking about the goosebumps? Yeah, well, I'm talking about or, it in relation to the goosebumps. Oh, it. Okay, okay. It was referring to the 1990 miniseries. She okay. watched that. Here's the thing. A couple months ago, we got a Roku television for the first time. So she is like, has this world of apps opened up to her that she didn't know existed. And she's been hopping on Tubi and basically bombarding my algorithm. Now I just get like any family movie with a dog on the cover. <laughs> is, it's, it's immediately ref, like suggesting that I watch like 12 of those. But she found it on there and begged <laughs> to watch it. And I... I, I, I know her well enough that I think that she could handle it. And then, yeah, she watched it about four times and wouldn't stop talking about it. Really? Yeah. And how old and is Charlie? Charlie is six. Okay. Wow. She put so, me to shame. We started the blob show when she was four. Um, she's never really had any fear of anything she watches on the screen. How, so, Tony, how do you build sort of a palette with a four-year-old who by six, she watches it four times and it doesn't phase her. Like how do, how do we get to that level to where it's a healthy, she, under, I mean, does she understand that like, this is already at that age. She understands this is a movie. This is make believe because I she know will, my she will tell me before. that yeah. she will tell me that, 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 that of course I'm not scared of this. This is just a show. So, yeah, she's never really had any fear. She's never stayed up, you know, unable to sleep from anything she's watched. Um, I had there was a moment when she was about nine months old. And during that phase, you figure you can just watch whatever you want. And the kid's not going to be really cognizant of what's going on. Did you, did you guys ever see the uh, Mike Flanagan movie that was just kind of dumped in ceremoniously on a Netflix uh, before I wake? Ooh, I don't know. I know, but I, I know of. I know the title. I think he, he had like three movies come out that year. I think, I think it's still on Netflix. But I was watching that one, one evening, and she was, I think she was about nine or ten months old, and she was in the room, and she, her eyes were completely locked on the screen. And I think she was just barely able to stand, if I remember correctly. And there was this monumental jump scare. And I had a real, like, oh, shit moment. Like, either... <laughs> Like, this is going to be telling of everything. And she, she totally, like, kind of buckled from the jump scare and immediately turned around, locked eyes with me, and started laughing. And I'm like, I am so, like, I'm done. Like, everything from here is gold. Like, so I, I knew that she was going to be okay with scary stuff. And she's always been into it. Her mother-in-law, or my mother-in-law, her grandmother, introduced her to uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein when she was young. She would watch The Tingler when she was young. So she, she has a lot of classic monster stuff that she's always just kind of been into and thought it was fun. That's great. So you were showing a w William Castle at an early age. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and she has a younger sister, uh, Joey, who is, she's four now. But yeah, they were, when they were watching The, the Tingler, they would, they would run around and it was a game in the house. It was scream, <laughs> scream, scream for your lives. And then the, the two year old would just like scream at the top of her lungs. And they just... Oh, I love it. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, 
Tony, I'm this sure you're This is how familiar. you raise kids, everybody. This is how I, you I'm do. blessed. I'm blessed. I don't know that how much of it is my doing, but I'm definitely lucky. <laughs> my my whole like thesis of why I like horror was because my mom showed me it when I was five, and I was terrified of it for five years. So, man, uh, Charlie's just crushing it already. I mean, are, Content we, was much different back then. The availability <laughs> of, you know, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. She's she just there's so much con- just a barrage of of content these days. Like I remember it being items could be much more taboo back then because you could only see it on TV or you you know you would hear rumors about it. I mean she's she's too young to even really have conversations with classmates about things yet. So yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that does evolve. You know, it's kind of interesting just listening to your show because she you you almost have like a critical analysis of everything from, you know, Goosebumps books to Courage the Cowardly Dog episodes. And she does a really good job of like talking through it. And I I don't know, you just show such an extreme amount of like patience on that show. It's sometimes I want to like reach in there and almost like, like she'll be like, I'm done. And you're like, oh, you're done? Okay. It's and it's over. And there's times I'm like, no, dude, like she was on a roll, like push her. Like, is how how did this show come about? Like, do you have any rules? Like Um, it, it started off as a something that I could do with my kid during during COVID. It it started off really the, the inspiration for the show was um Mickey on Three Friends Go Criterion did that episode with his daughter. And I, I was screwing around with, with my kid and we were like filming little, you know, short movies that I, I do video editing too. So I was like putting little movies together. And when he did that episode, I think it was on Sonic the Hedgehog with his daughter. It just kind of struck me like, oh, we could do that. Like, I think she would be game for that. And I mean, it was only the blob because that happened to be like what I, what we watched. It was, it, there was no, there was no pre-planning on what we were going to be covering. And I just knew she liked classic monsters and uh, yeah, it started off as just something to do with her and, and it took off. She enjoyed it. And the, the rule I had was I'm only going to do it as long as she wants to do it. And um, you know, she got into kindergarten this past year and the episode count has definitely dipped with <laughs> her life actually, you know, evolving, but but she still likes it. She we did an episode the other day just because it was her idea, and so it's yeah, nothing. We, I, I don't want to force it, or it won't be fun for anybody. For oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, you got to get her on uh, found footage. I think what you did, you had one with um, what Troll Hunter. I think it was Troll Hunter. I showed her that one was rough. It was I had to get the dubbed version, so I had to like yeah. order the DVD through Netflix to even like show something to her. Um, I don't know what what would you guys suggest for someone that is six? Actually, um, we're the wrong people to ask. But our former third chair, uh, Justin, he legit. So he brought his daughters last year to the Unnamed Footage Festival, and he like legitimately had a pitch for doing a children's screening in the morning. And he was like, I could put together like two to three films for you and pair them with shorts. And we could do uh, the Balboa where we host the event. They do a thing in the morning called popcorn palace. That's like a little bit cheaper and it's all like kid friendly. 
And he was like, I bet we could do that. And I was like, you're, you got to be kidding me. Like, what found footage kid movies are there? And he named off a bunch. I can't think of one right now. What was the one animated film that we showed with the like little monster? It was CG. Oh, it was a Fodoc like in the forest. It was yeah, like it, three minutes long. That's though. the only thing I can think of. But you know, found footage. Most of the narrative is built around whoever was filming. This is now dead. So that's kind of. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, space clown could maybe work <laughs> as, a, as a little bathroom humor. Tony, now, did you catch any of the online events, like, of 24-hour or anything? No, I missed it, and I was really bummed. It was just one of those things where it was a bad weekend, and having children makes going to something like that exceedingly difficult. Oh, for sure. Which is why I'm kind of amazed that you uh, can watch as much as you do. Like, Mickey from the Three Friends Go Criterion, he's, I don't know how he watches, like, triple the amount of films I do. Probably has, because he does it the same way he listens to podcasts and he double speeds. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably 2X in all his movies. Well, I don't know how, when he had movie pass, he was going to the theater every night. And I'm like, yeah. I, I get to like two movies a year these days, but oh. I don't know how he was doing it. And he Tony, late I'm, night. I, I'm sorry, Tony, in the email, uh, there's a disclaimer. Don't bring up movie pass. It makes Randy cry. Randy had movie pass. pass. <laughs> He yeah, had a lot I mean, of between people. between that and Bitcoin. It's rough on Randy right now, but he bought a house. So, I mean, come on, it's true. true. Must be doing something right. I now, guess. So, Tony, you clearly listen to our show, which almost, I almost feel a little embarrassed for because coming off of three friends <laughs> go criterion, which is like a wholesome show about friends watching movies together. You somehow ended up on the dark web with us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I, that's Clark's fault. He guessed it on it like a dozen times or something. That is true. Oh. That's true. I, I, I'm telling you, I, they need to get their act together because going on that show was so much fun for me because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if I, if I don't, I, I don't think, I don't know if I shoulder responsibilities on this show, but at least in my head I do. Um, I know Russell probably has a different, uh, thought process on that than I, but you know, going on their show, it's, it's just, I'm just the agent of chaos and it's just fun. Um, and I, and you know, I love those guys and that was a, a super fun show to do. And me just go up there and, uh, you know, be silly for an hour. Hoping yeah, they Tony, come back, hoping they come back. They say they're gonna, so. Okay. They just for a year ask. though, Tony, what are I they know. doing? I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still holding out hope. Me and Randy knows we're on the discord. You yeah, guys, you guys, guys are holding discord down the discord, on. right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I felt so bad. I totally, I was like, hey, Alberto, dude, I'm going to make one. And I have a Discord. I just, I need to learn how to do it. I don't understand what it is. I don't know how it works, but I'm still there. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay, Tony. So you do video editing. And, you know, um, Oksana was telling me you've edited, what, Western films? Is that correct? Um. Yeah, probably around 2015, I... I met up with a, a local guy who I, I met him at a party and he knew who I was saying that we had met at a previous party. And I had no recollection of this guy at all. His name is Travis Mills. And he, I think he was either in college or he had just graduated college and he went to film school here at ASU. And he's like, Oh yeah, I know. I remember you. You're into Igmar Bergman and all this. I'm like, well, that's, yes, that's true. I don't, I felt bad. I didn't remember the guy at all, but, but there, you know, someone later told me like, Oh no, he's a director. And I'm like a director. What? And then, uh, 
sure enough, he, he was doing this insane project where he was trying to direct 52 short films in 52 weeks. So an entire calendar year, he was adapting like public domain short stories and doing a film every week as like kind of this crazy learn by, you know, fire goal he set for himself. And uh, then he got like a fairly big budget to do a local film with uh, Tom Sizemore in it. And I just volunteered. I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there the whole production. It was like, a, it was just a, basically a week or 10 day long thing. I can help you in any way possible. And yeah, so Tom Sizemore starred in it. Peter Bogdanovich was in it. Now, but, is know, this, the, is the this... thing didn't do anything. The thing, the thing lost money hand over fist, but, is but this it was a great Tom experience. Tom Sizemore or is this substance abusing Tom Sizemore? This, is, this was, tw- I want to say it was 2015. So it was post that. So they must have got him on the cheap. Okay. But uh, yeah, there was some crazy stories on set with that guy losing his mind. But uh, I mean, that was like my introduction to like, I I always did film studies. Like I got a degree in film studies, but this was like my first like on set type thing. And where I thought this guy could use help was, you know, I I, I thought I could, I I had some screenwriting classes that I had taken and I, I dabbled in that just personally, but I was thinking if this guy doesn't want help in writing because he seemed very set on writing, producing, directing his own thing. I'm like, maybe I can get on on the other end, which editing is writing, basically. So I, I volunteered to, to kind of take him up on editing when he didn't really have a local editor. And that's where I just kind of picked up on it. And, yeah, he's done a lot of um, features since then that I've edited on. He splits time between Arizona and Mississippi. And he's done, so he's done probably, I don't know, eight features there and, and maybe more here. But yeah, he had a crazy goal in 2020 to make 12 Western features in 12 months. So, you know, kind of accelerating that weird goal he had before. And again, this is really not a great idea. I don't know where he comes up with these ideas because they're all basically, not, not all, but they're all, a lot of, like half of them were self-financed. A lot, they're all pretty much micro-budget, local talent, you know, they're, the, the, the local talent is like always the death of his project because you can only go so far with that. But uh, yeah, I've, I've edited with him on, I, I think I edited four of those Westerns and I probably did about five other features that he's done. They're all available on either Amazon or Tubi. His name's Travis Mills, did 12 Westerns in 12 months. That's his, that's his goal. Uh, we're talking not the American rapper Travis Mills. Is that Travis Scott? No, there's a Travis Who's Mills. Travis Mills. I don't know who Travis Mills is. He's known as T Mills. <laughs> this is this is that this is not him. No. <laughs> what do you remember the names of the westerns you edited? The westerns I edited for him were well, they were you know it was it was literally one production a month. So I edited um, February's Texas Red, and then March's She Was the Deputy's Wife. Those were my two favorite probably of the year and then he went back to mississippi later in the year and did one called the wilderness road and the natchez trace so those were kind of like historic pieces based on like revolutionary war type anti-heroes dang oh man this dude prolific (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i kind of i like the goal I'm down with just making the work happen. I feel like you can learn a lot from that. The problem that I see in it, though, is that you're bringing along with you a massive amount of collaboration. 
And uh, I don't know how much all of these. Oh, my God. I'm just looking at. Yeah, he's got a lot of work under his belt already. Yeah, it's. I don't know the number of features he's up to, but he, he's pretty much hit a wall. I think this this Westerns was kind of like his swan song in terms of like something has to change now. So maybe that's why he did them all that fast at the end. But he's an interesting he's, character. He's got 92 directing credits. I mean, keep in mind that a lot of those are the shorts, I think, but still. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how many, how many of those shorts were found footage? I don't think he's done a found footage. All right. It's the easiest thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when you mention local talent being kind of where uh, you hit all your obstacles, I instantly am thinking, well, not if you're doing in-world camera. You could could write a whole script off of a look. Like, if you get a dude that looks kind of like gnarly or just has like a good character face, you could go to town. I'm sure, Tony, I'm sure you could do it. You know how to write a script. Right I'd, have to talk, I'd have to talk him into it. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure what he, he, he definitely is kind of possessive over his own things. He likes to, he's written most of what he's directed. He has collaborated some too, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it done. So are, are you, what's your favorite genre of film? <clears throat> I don't know that I have a favorite genre now. I've, I've I, I used to be, pretty snobbish in the things I watched and watch a lot of foreign stuff and, and indie stuff and classic stuff. And now I just watch everything. I don't know if you've seen my letterbox, but it's, it's not good. Oh, I don't I'm know. Just, if I'm just all to. over. I'm just all over the place. No, I, I watch I, a I, lot of horror, but I, I mean, I'm also watch a lot of documentary. I watch a lot of, I'll, I'll watch anything at this point. And that is evident of your letterbox. And I love looking at it because you're all over the place. And also, Tony, if I may, you're a bit of a tough crowd there. <laughs> uh, I'm, it, I have a unique rating system that I don't know that we should bother getting into. Oh, but. we love talking about rating systems on this show. Yeah, be scared, Tony. They constantly harass me for my very Russell independent. is dumb. <laughs> My, my rating system isn't necessarily how good or bad I think a film is. It's, it's, I'm basically grading on the curve. If, if it, I, should, I should go ahead and say that this sounds insane, but I have a ranked list of every film I've ever seen, including shorts. So it's the, the star rating is where those films land in the percentile. I actually think um, that's incredibly thorough. And a little frightening. So <laughs> yeah, no, there's no way. To, there's no way to say that and sound sane. But <laughs> dude, also because I just again for anybody listening, he is Tony Pelham, P E L L U M on Letterbox, and you have over sixteen thousand films logged. Yeah, um, <laughs> before before I was before I was on. I think a lot of some of this insanity. I, I always had kept a list of every film I'd ever watched. Um going back to probably when I was a teenager, I would have like a steno pad just of everything I had seen. But, um, you know, that turned into a spreadsheet then in the internet age. And uh, I've always just kept track of everything I did. And at some point I thought I should rank them. So that there's just like a constant running rank of like where every film I've ever seen falls. And okay. I don't think I've known anyone that's ever done that, but it doesn't seem that insane to me until I say it out loud. Well, I think that's the dilemma with rating a movie is, you know, you watch what you think. I mean, oh man, 
art is so subjective. And, you know, a lot of the films that I think are like the best film, like I saw Vertigo in a classroom with a teacher that I really respected. And he talked about it in historical context. And then, you know, we live in the Bay Area. So I've seen it in like three different theaters with three different presenters that I all like. And it's just this movie that's constantly being like refined as potentially and, you know, maybe the best film ever. And then, you know, you watch it on your own and you're kind of like, eh, this movie kind of drags. And I live in the damn city. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we're ever changing. So I always feel weird when it's like, man, I love the room. The first time I saw it, I drank three, four locos. I was out after I just got a new job. I met a bunch of people. We went out after and had a good time. And then, you know, I showed it to my friend at home a week later and uh, we had a miserable time. And I'm like, so what's the rating? Which is why I have the perfect rating system, which is an emotional one and based on entertainment. And I'm constantly berated. Although it's based, it's based on your mental illness is what's based on. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mental illness is that I appreciate fictional stories, the craft that creates them. And I do not claim to be a god of cinema like you and Randy over here I, with your I don't gap. do that. That's Randy. <laughs> okay, first off, let me point out, it came up on the show recently that Clark doesn't even eat fucking popcorn, so you shouldn't even be a film critic in any regard. <laughs> popcorn sucks, Dave. Yeah, okay. What, what, I yeah. would say I would say in general my taste is probably closest to Randy's of of the group, <laughs> um, but I mean there is something like to me the only cardinal sin in in movies is making something boring, and I know even that's a loaded term. I mean that yeah. that can you know what you what can bore someone else like, um, my my wife re recently kind of insisted that we watch season four of Stranger Things, uh -oh. and I was I mean pretty I mean those are like every episode is like feature length. And I was like falling asleep uh, every night. I was always having to like go back and catch up so we could get there. And so kind of like as a challenge um, to myself, I, after we finished that, I decided, well, I just sat through, I don't know how many hours of that. So I should finally watch a, a very long film that I hadn't seen before. So I kept putting on um, what's that? 10 hour long documentary. Tishi Shu, West of the Tracks, that Chinese like nine hour long documentary that oh, I had never seen. Yeah. So I'm like, so, so my, yeah, so it was kind of like a joke, a personal joke that I had with myself. My wife kept coming in and seeing me watching that. She's like, why are you watching this? This is boring. I'm like, no, it's less boring than Stranger Things. And oh. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess it's a, <laughs> it's, I know it comes up, you know, how much you intellectually connect with something is, is how bored you're going to be, I guess. But I mean, the only thing I get mad about is if something seriously bores me and, you know, I can, be, you know, you can be totally wrapped up in some experimental stuff or avant-garde stuff or, you know, popcorn stuff. I enjoyed the new Top Gun more than, you know, as much as anybody else did, but <laughs> more than you'd like to admit. But, uh, <laughs> no, and I, I, but I think, the, I think the room is great too. I mean, the, the, you're not wrong. That's it, it's, there's something so interesting about just things not being done that way. It's almost like, a piece that was created without the normal context were given. And that's, you never know where that's going to go. And, and that's, I mean, I watch, I, I, I program uh, movie nights for a group of friends where we watch uh, Christian propaganda movies. And it's like oh, yeah. my total obsession right now. I can't get enough of these things. And it's, I love those, you know, I, and we don't, you know, I, I tell everybody, we're not doing this to make fun of the films. It's like, I really do enjoy these, but in a way that's really hard to quantify because sure. 
it's they're they they're they're made for something like a culture that's not even real. It's like a oh, yeah. kind of like films that are created in a vacuum of something with no outside context. Which are you is are you watching? Are you watching like the Kendricks brothers, like Fireproof and Facing the Giants? Uh, those haven't been part of it. The the what started well, us on this is be. well, I've seen some of those. I've seen Fireproof. I've seen Courageous. Are those the same people? Courageous. Yep, same guy. Okay. But um, what started us on this was this a different set of brothers called the Cristiano Brothers. Okay. And these, these things are absolutely insane. They started off making short films in the 80s. The, one, the first movie they did was called The Daylight Zone. Um, there was a movie called Crime of the Age. And, and literally, these are like half-hour-long movies that feel like the same talking point like six or seven times. It was like the longest short film I've ever seen in my life. But it's like there's something just really... They're so sincere that I can't look away, even though it's like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I need to look into that. Yeah. Well, look you, up the Cristiano brothers. Okay. Dude. <laughs> while, while you were talking, I wanted to bring up a point about like art film. Cause you mentioned your taste kind of falls in with Randy. And, and I would say Randy, um, at the end of the day, I think I like fall in line with Randy a lot too. It's foreign film, it's art house. And it's, I think there's an, uh, there's a seriousness to like the craft that we're looking for, but like a lot of interesting ideas too. And I was trying to find what, what is that long French film? Randy, it's got the name, like the wife, the whore and the, the cook, the thief, the wife. No, no, no. I think Not you're thinking no. of the mother and the whore. The mother and the whore. My God, I swear I have. Dude, I have a ton of viruses from the searches I just put in here. Everything popping up is. <laughs> Dude, I could not remember that damn name forever, but it's like a three and a half hour. That's friend. three hours plus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And three hour tour. Man, I found it fascinating. And, you know, ah, there's something about like when you approach art. And I think. Hearing you talk about the wide spectrum, and I totally believe that you'd watch anything, and then you're bored with Stranger Things, and I can only think that it comes down to ideas. And it's like the most boring thing that can happen, no matter what level of actor portraying it, is just like, oh man, I've seen this shit already. And you're like, I already, I know I, all these tropes are lining up and nothing is different. The music is guiding everything. There's nothing creative happening. That's well, why I, I, part, part of my problem with Stranger Things goes back to one of Clark's biggest complaints where I don't feel like they're being they're, I don't feel like they're valuing my time. The, the, <laughs> those things were I remember probably I don't know how many years, but probably like five or six years ago, they kind of changed the rules on um, the billboard charts where albums were being helped out in the charts by number of streams. So rappers were like throwing on additional tracks just to bump up their chances of charting. And I feel like that's what Stranger Things is doing. They're just padding these extra long episodes to say like, oh, they reached a billion streaming minutes. And I'm just like, well, yeah, but half of those were nothing. I don't. Yeah, you know, man, it's interesting that you say that because I've had this theory that I stole from uh, Alexander Bard, a philosopher, who was talking about how like the capitalist system is like not the real currency anymore. Like what everybody's vying for is attention. And when you mention, like, here's the problem. Stranger Thing, they dropped everything at one time. And I'm like, why did they do that? Disney seemed to have the right idea. Like, think of how long culture lasted 
with Baby Yoda. And it was because those episodes came out once a week and it kept the conversation alive. So when Stranger Things dropped all at once, I'm like, they're dumb. Like people are going to binge like Terrell, one of our best friends here. I think he's insane for going and buying Eggo waffles, getting them ready, cooking them at midnight when Stranger Things drops and binging the show. So I'm like, dude, he's going to be done. Like, uh, of course, I know what he's doing. He wants to get it ready for Instagram and for social media. He wants to be at the conversation right when it drops. But I'm like, Stranger Things is dumb. So literally when part season four came out, I was like, dude, what do you burn through it already? How can you even reflect on anything? And he's like, are you joking? Every episode is 90 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? That's not a shit. That's a movie. And we watched Refin's goddamn show. What was that yes. show called? Too old to die young. Thank you. Yeah, you're I haven't on- seen that. I haven't seen that yet. Don't. And dude, I- <laughs> here's the thing. Like much like Tony's podcast, when you play with like runtime or like when the whole art form is like fluent in a way that it could go on as long as it needs to or end at any point, I don't know. I'm kind of captivated because it's hard to be the same when you're not following like a three act structure on a 90 minute time frame. And we're in a genre that already has such distinct tropes that this is going to be just the same crap. It's like reference show. You never knew what was going to happen. And if you, if you were what, uh, if you were uh, had the iron will to make it to what episode five, you were rewarded. What was the one that you loved, Clark? Oh well, I thought I loved it, and I rewatched it fairly recently, and I'm like, this kind of stinks. But, <laughs> well, it had Urbaniac in it, um, and I like him, but I don't know, man. That show, it's he, the thing with Raffin is that he needs the confines of like a theatrical release. Because, uh, you know, when, when he's got time to play with, you know, eight episodes, I mean, that show was. 12 hours long. Was ridiculous. <laughs> there were some episodes that were two hours. Don't and help it's just out. him panning and a neon light for th- three minutes. Hey. Is it now, episodal? Is it all one story? Yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's not episodic. It uh, it's a continuous story. But like, imagine like in the wire, like you know how every season of the wire kind of dealt with a different kind of uh industry in the town. This one, every episode kind of deals with a different character or like maybe mood, and it is as long or as short as it needs to be. So there were some shorter episodes, but well, the the wire is brilliantly constructed and actually has you know a, a purpose and um, you know has yeah real meaning and well, that's my beef with Stranger Things. I'm not convinced Stranger Things is ever structured at all. It sounds more like you know someone explaining a dream they had the night before half the time. The mythology isn't ever explained. They're just making it, up but rules it looks as they so go. Pretty. Oh, yeah, they have some somewhat of infinite budget for a story that I'm still ready to hear the rules of what the upside down means. But, you know, oh, man, me. It, so you. before Clark left, uh, I got some YouTube. I, I got baited into some YouTube video about uh, what's her name? Clark, Oksana, you've been on it. Like Bobby Joe Brown, Bobby, Millie, Joe, Bo- Millie Bobby Brown, yeah. Millie Bobby Brown. And it was it was kind of a hit piece on her. 
And I'm like, wait, how old is this girl? She's like 14. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing I walked away from from this like nine minute video of everything she's ever done wrong in like the public eye was that she's a flat earther. <laughs> and I was like, that I don't know why. I'm just like, dude, she's like 14 years old. Why are you picking on this girl? Yeah. But they also How does a 14 year old become a flat earther? I have no idea, but I'm the fat. public education system, Tony. That's <laughs> hey, the I'm in Arizona. Problem. I'm in Arizona. I know. <laughs> well, you know, it started when she got into Alex Jones, and then it all went down. <laughs> she was on Infowars, and then it just took a turn. I wanted to. I wanted to make an official statement that I do not agree with the attempted coup that occurred on January 6th. I know this show has taken a, a change recently. I wanted to put that on the record. I know I'm from Arizona. I have family members that do believe in QAnon. I think it was a bad choice. Man, Tony, do you know how depressing it was? Like, there, was a, there was a moment where me and Clark, I think, what the hell were we watching? We were watching um, All Gas, No Breaks, I believe. Yeah, and he went to a UFO convention. It's it's Channel Five now, is what he Channel calls Five it. now. Yeah, and he had a he went to a boutique that had a bunch of what looked like gibberish on T shirts, and then it was like, oh wait, that was QAnon. It was all their like you know seventeen plus and you know seventeen the WW one thing. Yeah, and yeah, and me yeah. and Clark, we were sitting down and we're like, dude, we got to get some QAnon merch. And then I think like two months later, the Capitol riot happened. We're like, oh, we really dodged a bullet there. Because <laughs> that bit would have fallen flat. Oh. Or imagine, you know, because I mean, honestly, we we're all in our own bubble. We could have easily missed that event, maybe. I mean, honestly, probably not. But you know, just imagine walking around in the Bay Area with like some, you know, what you think is esoteric QAnon shirt. I feel like somebody would just run you over. <laughs> well, that that just shows you know the timing that we have. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, Tony, thank you for sticking with us again. We know you're an Arizona resident, so the Q with Hans Hall. Yeah, they have a Arizona has a well deserved reputation on this program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Clark doesn't do it any favors. It's all negative from him. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm. He's saying the truth. <laughs> like I, 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 I know. I'm, I'm down here. I talk to people. It's, it's Dude, happening. How crazy was it when uh, Gerald Varga came on the show and he's like, "Yeah, we're thinking about moving to Arizona." I just remember looking at your face. You're like, "Dude, Here's the thing though, like the world is thinking about moving to Arizona. It's." insanely busy like tony how long have, have you are you a native arizona i'm a native i'm a native yeah i've been here my whole life owned okay. a home since 2009 and the housing market is absolutely insane right now i don't understand who's moving here in what has to be the least sustainable city in the world if you know i don't know but it makes no sense to live here in terms of energy use there's no water here there's nothing we, we don't offer anything culturally <laughs> But when, when when did it sort of blow up? Because I feel I mean has it been like a, a slow incline or was it really in the past few years a mass exodus out of like California? Uh, there's there's a lot of talking points that it's all California residents coming over here, and you'll hear local politicians you know campaigning on 
the phrase like don't California our Arizona. And I yeah. don't even really know what that means, but <laughs> um, the, the housing market, it, the boom itself has, I think only been since COVID really like yeah. the, the, the value of my house is like tripled. And that doesn't make any sense to me because I live in a, you know, townhouse. So I, don't, I don't know who would be paying. I mean, well, I don't know. Housing prices don't, that's kind of a dumb talking point when you guys are from the Bay Area, but <laughs> I, have, I have like a $700 mortgage. So that's, oh. that's, that's why I can live here. You know? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. $700. You couldn't, yeah. you couldn't park your car for $700. <laughs> Dude, it's funny. Go ahead. I was just saying it's wild because, you know, yeah, Tony's right. Uh, you know, I like I said, I, I work down here a lot and I talk to a lot of people here and the majority of them are from all over the country and they've been here for a while. And, you know, people from uh, Maryland, Chicago, a lot of Chicago, a lot of big Chicago, big Midwest, Michigan yeah. and, and Chicago. A lot of a lot of Midwest people came down here. That's where my my dad moved down here in the 70s from uh Champaign, Illinois. And yeah, there are a lot of transplants, but you know, I think those are, I think it's like the boomers are the transplants. And then there's a lot of people my age are probably more native than people a generation before me. Now, what's up with the mountains of Arizona? I heard recently, I can't remember what I was listening to, but I didn't even know there was a mountain range out there, but apparently it's also cold. Okay. Tony, I apologize. Perhaps you don't know how deserts work. No, I'm what trying the, to. What the hell are you talking about? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about moving again. So it's like, hey, if they got a cold spot in Arizona, I think Clark could be convinced. In northern Arizona, I, w- I would say Flagstaff would likely be your spot. Yeah. Hey, where, where, Randy? When we were in Arizona, where were we? In Phoenix, downtown in Phoenix, Phoenix. You dumb dick. I don't pay attention. The what only are you guys doing in Phoenix? I hear you always talking about went to stand up live. I'm like, what were you guys doing in here? Oh, uh, we, it was for work. We both went to open a warehouse uh, in Phoenix, and yeah, they put us up in downtown Phoenix. We went around a little bit. Uh, that one movie theater we went to, where I think we saw Room. I forget where that was, but it was like slightly outside of Phoenix. I think you're not talking oh. about Film Bar, are you? No, RIP Film, film Bar. Oh, it's done? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Film bar almost looked like it was a little too cool for us. Like, we went by there, and they're like, dude, they're showing all the fucking cool movies. No, we went to, like, three theaters out there, though. Yeah, I just remember one specifically was, like, we had to take a lift for, like, 15, 20 minutes, maybe. Dude. That might have been Flagstaff. We, uh, we saw... You can't go anywhere here without taking a lift for 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> also... Um, our batting average for movies in Arizona was terrible. I remember that. <laughs> we saw that one uh, Brian Cranston, I'm a writer, but we're not going to talk about Stanley Kubrick. Trumbo? Trumbo. Trumbo. Yeah. Then we saw... Uh, More like Dumbo. We saw The Assassin, I think. Yeah, man. Hey, what'd you, Tony, what would you think of The Assassin? Is that the Chinese movie? Yeah, very like deadpan. Like that movie, my God, I remember nothing happening in that film. And it, it was like advertised as like a samurai epic. It, I mean, it was style over. I mean, it was the style was what it was all about. I was into it, but it was definitely slow. Man, normally I love a movie where I can um, 
you know, lean back in the theater and look around and everybody's angry. <laughs> but during that one, I actually felt like I was a part of that group. I can't did Randy, did you like that movie? Not really, no. I'm sure I probably dozed off in it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Trumbo, that one, and then uh what was the other movie we watched? Room. Oh, Room. The r- room where Randy refused to cry because he hates children. <laughs> yeah, right? Randy, how could you not cry during Room, dude? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I probably got close, but, you know, I didn't cry as much during content then. Uh, I, I cry during TV shows now, so. That is true. That is true. We, we have had a change. Uh, Randy, you've gone through a major metamorphosis on this show. Uh, yeah, bro- I think so. Broken edge on this show. You sure. are, you know, showing actual human emotions now. Thank you. This is a big. This is a big day. As yeah. you know, that's what five or six years of doing this show will do. I guess that <laughs> make you cry. That's right. Ooh, where Tony, are you down? Are you a crier, Tony? Um, definitely more since I've had children. Yeah, like by 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 far, by far. Like I was pretty. Stone. I'm, I'm not the most emotional person anyway. That's kind of something I've long developed. But yeah, but having having children, yeah, I'll I'll cry during a movie. So so what 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 is that? You just you it's that's just like uh, natural empathy that comes in once children come into the picture. I think so. I haven't really you know I haven't really thought much about it, but that's that's got to be it. <laughs> you know, it, and it's it's you know a, a couple tears. That's that's about the extent of it. All right, so we're not getting Randy crying because this guy ain't having kids anytime soon. <laughs> now, Tony, I'm curious. When you were younger and going to a... You, you took film studies? Is that what you said you got a degree in? Yeah, it was. I, I was a humanities major with an emphasis on film studies. What does that mean? Is that like film oh, theory? Anything. It, meant, it meant I got a degree for going <laughs> to school. <laughs> so what were classes like? Uh, they, a lot of theory. It was, it was not, there wasn't even the opportunity for production at that time. They, we, they have production school here now, but um, yeah, it was, it was mostly just film theory, writing analysis, critical analysis. I mean, my, uh, the other, my, right now, Charlie's in this uh, summer reading program. I don't know if, if that's a nationwide thing that libraries do, but she's doing this thing where you get a number of points for every minute you read and you try to, you know, get a thousand minutes over the course of the summer and I was really proud of her a couple of weeks ago because we were sitting there watching something stupid on TV. And she turns to me and she says, Do, does watching movies count as reading? <laughs> and I, I was like, the world will tell you no. However, like the way we watch movies, I think, you know, it kind of is a lot like reading a book. You know, you got to You got to analyze what you're watching. And to, to me, you know, I mean, as long as she's whatever we're watching, as long as it's thoughtful, as long as we're thinking about why we're watching it. And as long as you're willing to discuss a movie, I don't think anything should really be off the table. I mean, you'll, you'll have an idea of what is and isn't age appropriate, I think. But um, I think, yeah, there's I've always been more of an analysis type person. And that's that's what that's what film was. It, it was no different than literature to me is it was just a way of learning the language and being able to critically think about it. So were you like a big film guy before you took those classes or did it kind of like alter your relationship with it? 
I was a film guy. I was a film guy before, but I mean, I, I probably during my teenage years was when I really got into it. And my entry point was bizarre because it was kind of like I was introduced to the idea of European art cinema, and that seemed like a legitimate thing. That that somehow yeah. when I learned about that, that legitimized it, and that's what I gravitated towards. Where I didn't really watch a lot of movies when I was real young, and I wasn't too interested in general, you know, popcorn entertainment that much, but yeah, something drew me towards like European art cinema. And that was kind of my entry point, which is a backwards sounding thing. But, um, that was, that was where my love for, for movies came from early on. And, and it took a long time to kind of unlearn some of that and learn to love everything. But yeah, that, that, that's where I went into, I mean, I, I didn't go into college with the idea of studying that. I just kind of fell back to that when I decided I did not want to be an architecture major. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love the, uh, I think I took like a handful of film theory classes and they're like some of my favorite things I've ever learned. And I don't, I don't know what it is about my character, but there's something about watching a movie like final flesh and then like having Clark there and being able to just kind of like a spout pretentious nonsense about a movie that in one way does really warrant it, but in another, it's kind of like nobody will ever agree with you here. And it's, I don't know, it's weird how culture can kind of determine what is art and what isn't. And I think that's kind of our whole show in a nutshell is going against the, the flow. Like, and you know, God, how many times have we talked about Bad Ben, right? And it's like, <laughs> that's a shallow uh, pull if you're going to weigh it in. But, I mean, maybe it isn't because, you know, Nigel Bach is a very interesting dude. Yeah. And the, is, how much how much is eulogy like uh, pandemic? We haven't watched it yet. I oh, you pref- haven't watched eulogy? OK, OK. Then, no, then never mind. I I'll haven't watched it. Blackwell Ghost 6 or eulogy yet, so I'm I'm saving those. But oh. I, look, I, but I haven't seen I haven't seen benign. So that was another reason I haven't seen benign or eulogy yet on the bad see series, benign so. before eulogy. Definitely. Sure. I definitely intend to. Yeah. Um, well, but eulogy definitely. I I feel I feel little pandemic vibes coming. Yeah, that's from that's what I got just from the trailer. But yeah, for sure. Which kind now, of bums me out. I didn't watch pandemic. So what was it? Just not fun. It's fan service. Oh, dear. you will never see anything that is more fan service than that. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I was thinking about going to see Love and Thunder. I feel like. <laughs> Different kind of fan service. <laughs> that, was, that was a weird shot. You know, I'm sorry, Marvel, and all you listen to the show. I'm, got, I was actually thinking like of a... the same joke. <laughs> well, Russell, you've got you've got you've got Watiti problems. Yeah, he ruined Thor, but that's it. You know, I, who cares? It's fine. Well, Thor's an interest. Thor's a god, so they were like, "Well, we got to make him goofy." It's a boring um, uh, moral. Uh, argument that they took on with like toxic masculinity and when like, did he ruin thor are you are you a thor 2 apologist oh dude i love thor 2 i think okay. i'm one of the okay. people i was so i into- kind of like thor 2 but i i don't yeah i don't know many people that care for thor 2 so well i mean i could go on and on about like weird choice for odin uh the whole like ice giant thing I wasn't into like conceptually. I hated the way that they made Asgard look in general. And then Thor two was kind of like a return or I don't know if you could call it a return, but it was kind of a more like uh, 
rough version uh the 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 elves clearly felt like dark elf influence i don't know it just felt more like grounded to me what what is um stargate is that what asgard felt like in the first thor it totally read like star yeah man i i'm not my dad is a huge he's a huge sci-fi channel fan and i mean like in the way that he loved farscape which i i honestly could kind of fuck with that they had puppets Going your on. dad, your dad's a nerd who refuses to wear shoes. Who always kisses me on the forehead when he sees me. So he's not to be trusted. <laughs> no, dude. So I went over there on Sunday to see my dad and uh, my mom. Who uh, I think it'll be her b- happy birthday, mom. Um, and he had Picard paused, and he paused it on the TV so that he could spout all of the factoids I was missing out from Doctor Strange too which I recommended to him because I legitimately like, I, I think I love that movie. And he was like, well, you're missing out because if you didn't watch WandaVision and you didn't read these comics, then you're not going to know about anything. And he was just, it was the most embarrassing conversation I've had with my father in a long time. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, back in the day being that type of nerd might've held some weight, but like now, I don't know. I, I feel like you're with the Wikipedia crowd. Oh, culture has changed. And I'm I'm not there for it. Did, right, you... did, did Kenneth Bernard do Thor too? I think so. Oh, gross! Russell's <laughs> a classic Kenneth Branagh apologist. You know, you know what I liked about Thor in the first one was just him in modern world, like kind of stumbling through stuff and demanding beer. I remember the second one better than the first one. Yeah, and uh, fair. I mean. The first one, they were in, like, small town USA, and Natalie Portman was like, here I am, and we're like, we don't care. Well, I hated the concept. I love Natalie Portman. Didn't like her in that movie. Um, Introducing Thor with a then-unknown actor who seemed perfect for it, could act and look the role, it was kind of perfect for me. I just hated half the movie. I loved it when he was kind of like Hercules in New York, though. Was Hensworth unknown at that time? To me, for sure, I I felt like at the time wasn't Superman out, and everybody was like, "Whoa, they I got." See, but Russell, with that physique and that face, you're never unknown. I uh, tell that to all the dudes uh, in Southern California who walk around shirtless, waiting to be casted in a movie. No one looks at shirtless men like you do. <laughs> you love a scantily clad man. I appreciate a chiseled physique. All right. I almost watched Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer this week in preparation from the show. I never, still have not seen those films, but I saw them pop up on Tubi or something. I'm like, I should probably watch this Dude, at some point. Tony, no joke. Watch Con- Conan the Destroyer is very like uh, 90s Wizard of the Coast kind of um, tabletop cultures finding a like vibe. Like it's got that thing going. Like you get to see a thief backstab somebody, which I love. The first one, though. That could have been, I'm, I'm telling you, I think you would agree with my argument. There could be a, a there's in the metaverse, <laughs> there is a universe where fantasy movies took Conan the Barbarian seriously. And we get like a whole new age of Western movies that are just, you know, fantasy themed. And it's all the same things. We get the like the lone cowboy riding into a budding society. There's like a brutal free market going on, mercenaries, laws like iffy, but it's not guns. It's, you know, flails and and hammers. And I espout that 
like that wish I have to all of these film critics out here. And they, their eyes not only roll, they like glaze, <laughs> they get cataracts while I'm talking. All right. Yeah, fan- I, fantasy is something of a blind spot for me. What do you think it is about a, a lot of these 80s movies that were fantasy, but also for children? Where did those go? Like we just only recently watched with Charlie Neverending Story and Neverending Story 2. Charlie Loved Labyrinth a couple years ago. These were movies that I didn't really grow up with, but just knew of. Where, yeah. did, where did that go? I think they just evolved into the nightmare that became like the three book deal where it's like you get Lord of the Rings, you get Harry Potter, you get. I think they like kind of followed an older crowd up. But yeah, I don't know. We're like, because what? Never ending story. What do you think the target audience was for that? 12 year olds. Yeah, I loved it when I was younger, but I, I, I think. You know, I don't, maybe it was just the 80s. Everything was more adult then. Like, you know, I like playing with like a RoboCop action figure. It's like my mom wouldn't let me watch that movie, but I had the toy. And I think that's kind of gone. So I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with that. Why? Are you uh, trying to film my fantasy movies for children, by the way? <laughs> was that a was that a shot? No, no, I was just that fan, all fantasy pretty much across the board is, is a blind spot for me that I was. That's something I was thinking about recently watching. I'm like, I know a lot of people love some of those 80s children's fantasy movies. And I just something I just didn't grow up with. That a boy fantasy. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you know, it's just it's a really tough genre because, you know, in horror, we usually have a protagonist who has a lot to learn and not a lot of power in the world. And there's a great journey there in fantasy. <laughs> If we're start like Arnold got a got a montage and he was a ripped dude pushing a wheel around a wheel around in the desert. Like so you have to watch that movie, by the way. You have to watch Conan the Barbarian for its like Western themes. But then I'll recommend that you go into Italian horror territory and you watch uh, Lucio Fulci's film Conquest, which is a it's a mishmash of us. Don't a- put Conquest on this man. Clark couldn't handle it. We like this man. This man's our friend. Dude, he's a film theory guy. He'll have a blast. Okay. All right. Tony, quick question. How how much fog do you like in your film? Because <laughs> that is the entire movie of 90 minutes. It's just fog and titties and snakes. <laughs> Russell, you know I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I feel like you just hurt your argument. Yeah, I sold it for some people. <laughs> no, and, and, you know, again, there's a lot of mist in this movie, but it's a hero's journey. So this movie opens up with a, uh, you know, a, uh, what, a kind of with, he's not a massively ripped dude. It looks like maybe he's just gotten into steroids. And uh, some people pat him on the back and put him in a boat. And I guess he, he arrives on an island and he starts an adventure that is constantly caked in mist. But it raises the, it, it's so dreamlike. It's so, I don't know, dude, it's so good. We got, we got to have, actually, why are we recommending you movies? I remember back <laughs> didn't you recommend, you wanted me and Clark to watch um, Agnes? Oh, I wanted, yeah, I wanted you guys to see Agnes because it's just not at all what it looks like it is. Oh, and I think you would both like it for different reasons, but I don't really want to get into it if you haven't seen it yet. No, no, no. Here, here's the thing. It's been on our list for so long. <laughs> and only so long. We take it seriously and we're like, dude, 
Tony said we should watch it. So every every week I talk to Clark and you, Clark just goes, ah, not right now. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, you know what it was? Because I think when that was you recommended that to us, like we had already like put on the docket that we were going to watch Benedetta. Yeah, it's nothing like those other nun movies that came out. It totally like they sold you a false bill of goods on it. And I think that's why Russell would be interested in it. Yeah. And then there's a whole uh, comedian aspect to it that, that Clark would be interested in. But I, I know not, you would never get that from the trailer or the poster or. Okay. That, it's, it's, actually, it's actually really a tender movie that speaks a lot about uh, the importance no, no. of community. And it's kind of what you guys are, you know, it's kind of why you guys like movies, right? It's what brings yeah. people together. And, and, that, and that's what it's about, I think. So I love right, don't, it. you'll never get that from the poster. Like, Dude, you you sold it. You sold the movie when you recommended it. So that <laughs> you got any others that you think we should check out? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I watch too much to be able to recommend anything. It's kind of hard to. It, I try to walk that line between digesting things and just consuming things at a breakneck pace. All right. Well, I just followed your letterbox. So are you the type of dude that does? star ratings and no review or do you review everything I've, i there was a time when i wanted to review everything and i'm what i hate about letterboxd is the glib one sentence joke of a review that that's all that really the site is anymore hey but, everybody um, thanks thanks for <laughs> <laughs> see you next but week. yeah i will i will keep, I, I i have a letterbox to keep a record of whatever i watch and i don't care if anybody sees it it's it's mm -hmm. it's more just a personal record so i know what i have seen my initial thoughts of what I thought about it at the time in terms of star rating, but I don't, I don't really do reviews much anymore. Yeah, that's my problem. I feel like I have to review everything and then I end up forgetting movies or I fall a year behind. <laughs> All right, finish cleaning your glasses. We're going to give Tony the poll live on this recording. So that he can officially vote on which movie we should watch. I, I, think I, already, I think I already voted on this earlier today. <laughs> okay, what, what was it? I can't remember. I think we just did um, one. What the hell is Rob Zombie's brother's name? Spider One. He made Allegoria. Yeah. And that's the one I voted for. Okay. Oh, <laughs> but but I, will, I, 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 do, I, I am a Rob Zombie apologist. I know that will not take me far in this, in this uh, show, but I, I do like Rob Zombie's work. I love it. I well. Rob Zombie's work, I, uh, you know, God, man, I really wish he got to remake The Blob. I think I'm one of the only people who was excited for that. And, no, that would have been great. I'm right? interested to see where he goes with this Monsters thing. So is, that, but, is he doing like a kids thing with the Monsters, or is this going to be Monsters with an Edge? <laughs> I don't see how it could be kid-friendly, but it might be Charlie-friendly. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, it, Rob Zombie's a weird one, man. Like, did you like 31? Um, I like 31 okay. My favorites are probably Lords of Salem and Halloween 2. I mean, I think Halloween 2 is really the only great Halloween movie outside of the first one. But Whoa. That's, a, I, that's a hot take that I don't know that I'm ready to defend right now. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Now... I, I remember vaguely the ghost of a memory when I went and saw Halloween two in theaters. I was at the, my like height of I consume everything horror and I just kind of loved it all. And I remember I wanted to walk out of the theater and years later, 
I heard somebody talk about it and like the idea behind it, what he was trying to do with Michael Myers. And I was like, you know, maybe I should give it another shot. And I watched it again. And I, I loved it. And it's man, it's weird. I really like his Halloween movies, which is strange. I feel like he really mashed like the pro. Like if you take slasher culture and an audience that is cheering on a bad guy, then the I feel like the natural progression is turn it into a pro wrestling movie. And he kind of did that. Like when we get Ken for going head to head with like a seven foot tall Michael Myers. It's like, isn't this what people want? Like I was here for it. So I, I totally agree. Now, if you were going to defend um, what the hell is his new one? Three from hell. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you feel about that one? I, I liked it more than most people did. Um, I, the, my, my view of, of Rob Zombie is kind of similar to what people say about Tarantino, is that he's one of the best film critics that we have, and that's he's using film as a medium for film criticism. I think Rob Zombie's kind of similar to that, where he knows how to read the culture and reappropriate it. I mean, this is a guy that was putting Nazi antagonists in movies before we had the Nazi problem we have now. So I think he had some foresight into yeah. the problems in, in culture, but... I mean, I don't know that they always turn out great, but there's always something interesting there. And, and I, I'm not, I, I mean, I know you guys didn't think that much thought went into 31, but I think there's, I think he's doing interesting things with, with genre. With little people. I think, I think he uses film as a medium for, as an excuse to put his wife's name on a W2 form. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to defend that. You know, honestly, I mean, I respect the commitment. I like to see a hall. Wait, was she anybody before marrying him? Is she anybody now? She's been in one thing. I think that he didn't direct. Oh, what? Dude, I want to watch like a YouTube that. video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised there's not more of that. Why wouldn't people be making a micro budget thing and getting her name on it? That's well, why aren't other why don't people- we do that? Sherry, <laughs> come on. All right. <laughs> Dude, let's reach out. What did you Dude. find? It? Toolbox murders. Wait, she was in to- she was in the remake of Toolbox. That can't be right. I'm going to look that up. Dude, that's I mean, that's how we mend this fractured nation. We get Sherry Moon zombie in a found footage film. I think we solved it. Dude, you're right. She, what the hell? Did, now, I'm sure you saw the remake of Toolbox Murders. No? I, I don't know that I knew it existed. When did that even come out? Oh. 2004? 2004, which was when like the... Four? So 2004, I know everybody's making I mean, a... When break. was... House of a Thousand Corpses was what, 2003? Yeah, so it was after House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, so somebody did... Ca- Dude, I don't remember her in that movie. Who did who did the remake of the Toolbox Murders? Mick Garris? <laughs> Toby Hooper. It was Toby Hooper, dude. Was it really? Yeah. See, so in the early aughts was kind of the um it was kind of critical mass for uh the materialist horror fan, which is most people. And I think like Blu-rays, like Blue Underground and Anchor Bay were just like firing out titles at the time and i remember that was one of the movies that i saw at best buy and i'm like whoa they remade toolbox murders and i bought it and i, w- I remember being disappointed honestly 
but Toby Hooper's one of those dudes. Like, I feel like he's not. He's easy, not always, uh, easy, <laughs> easy. What, what Toby Hooper movies have you seen? All of them. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. You know, this man he 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 gave us uh, a Hallmark film. I yeah. So what? You get a past forever. He Kinda. also. <laughs> also, friend of the show, Ted Nicolau. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, his his van was the van in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I yes, I remember. Um, I haven't even seen Life Force. I guess. Yeah, that's one of the cult ones people love. I uh, we have seen Life Force. I think it was at the Alamo. Mm-hmm. I like that movie. Do Do you guys have an Alamo out there? I think you do. Um, I think all of the Alamos very recently changed owner changed ownership. Here we had three, and. Um, now they're, they were overtaken by, uh, majestic, something like that. It's the same theater, same people, but different ownership. I don't know. The Jim Carrey film. I, I think it's, I, that's the first thing I thought of when I yes. saw it renamed, but, um, have you been to one? Yeah. I mean, even the, the films that I worked on would premiere at those. So I've been to, I think I've been to it. Yeah. When it was, I mean, I've been, I went to it a number of times when it was Alamo, but I think I've been to it since ownership changed probably a year ago or so year and a half, maybe. Oh, I remember the other thing we saw out there. It was, um, cult cinema. What? Yeah. It was that Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. We saw a total recall out there in a theater that had, uh, yeah. it felt like it had vintage carnival stuff in it or like it had like a large arcade. It felt kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese. And then, over in the left side of the building, it had a large, like, theater. And there was um, Cult Classics, I think was their name. Yeah. They seemed to do, like, a repertory uh, program, and they were showing uh, Total Recall. I think I bought a damn shirt there. Yeah, I did, too. That was the first time I had seen Total Recall. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about, Tony? Was this a fever dream? <laughs> there was, there, there was, there's a local programmer named Andrea who has floated around at a number of different places. She used to, she, she her name was the Midnight Movie Mamacita. And oh. she would, um, she would program films at like a, a, basically like a dollar theater where it was like, a, it was definitely like a second run movie house that probably had a lot of arcade type stuff. Um, but it would be like every weekend she would have programming. It's one of those things where, you know, the, Rocky Horror Midnight Showings would kind of keep these things afloat. Um, she opened a theater in downtown Mesa called the Royale for a couple of years that couldn't make money. And then she went over, I think Film Bar swallowed her up. She was doing programming there. And I don't know, she might be at the Majestic now. She's, she's, she's bounced around as, as a, a local programmer that can't really seem to get something to stick. She's great. I just... <laughs> It's, I mean, it's just there's not much i think it's just a you know it's the phoenix market i don't yeah yeah you know it's it's weird because california we have such a like we you know we have three large cities and you go to la and it's kind of like wow you got a ton of people coming out here to monster palooza and there's a lot of horror fans and then up here in the bay area it's like man we can't find anybody to come out to stuff <laughs> and i when we went to like arizona or when we were like in Pennsylvania or in Dallas, it was like, dude, everywhere else there are people and they want to go to things. So it's kind of a bummer to hear that 
even in Arizona, people can't make it happen. I guess, you know, our coastal elitist. It's West, it's West Coast mentality. There's too many, there's warm weather and too many things to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. Also, the, the staggering gentrification kind of ran out all the people who are looking to just hang out in like a double feature all night. So, yeah, we've lost a few theaters out here. I don't know. Yeah, Tony- I regret. I regret not going. The Midnight Movie Mama seat when she had her theater, the Royale. She did a Thanksgiving, a post Thanksgiving all night marathon that I really wanted to go to and didn't do it. I said I'd do it next year, and then I don't think the theater was around next year. But yeah, it was like you you you, you come down with your leftovers and you hang out until dawn and just you know. I don't wow. think there was people just weren't. It, it was in a bad. It wasn't in the best part of town. I think was part. I think location was what killed that place, but. She's she's still at it. I know she's still doing stuff locally. We'll have to find her. Uh, Clark really perked up when he heard her name. I mean, you know, you throw out the word <laughs> "mamacita," daddy's uh, daddy's listening. <laughs> uh, now, now, Tony, are you a, are you an AMC guy? Or are you a Harkin Harkins guy out here? I'm a Harkins guy. Um, they got those annual deals where you get a free large popcorn every time you go, and I'm not ever going to go to an AMC when that's. What's, I live I live less than a mile from an AMC, AMC and I never go there just because I think the prices have gotten better. They used to, yeah. Harkins used to really undercut AMC locally. So it was just, there was no reason to go there. But um, I still just never go to AMC. I don't know. We got, we got, you can get, you can get a soda refill cup and a free popcorn every time you go. So you're, you're getting a large popcorn and a soda for like four bucks, which is hard to beat. Can't beat that. I I like Harkins. Uh, I I wish we kind of had Harkins uh, in California. Um, yeah, it's just and it's it's better than the AMC. But I've I've I'm I got skin in the game with AMC. You know? <laughs> That's the thing. Do they still That's do funny. their monthly membership thing? Yeah, yeah. What's that what are the what are the uh, details on that? I think it's like 20, 20 something. It's like $23 a month and you can get uh, three movies a week. Yeah, I could definitely make that worth it. I, I seriously live within walking distance of an AMC. I mean, it would just be a matter of having to do late night thing. Yeah, I think uh, Clark's a loyalist mainly because of the hot dogs, which they discontinued, right? Well, I'm telling you, they don't have their act together. And the AMC that I used to go to out here in Deer Valley, I don't do they're showing like two movies a day. I don't know what's going on at that AMC. So I thought about going because I still I haven't seen Elvis yet. So I, I gotta I gotta go see Elvis. Ooh. I gotta Whoa. do it. Randy, why it looks, you too, it looks too ridiculous. I think I have to see it. That's I've exactly also, exactly. Yeah. I've also I've also there was a time when I was like I'll, I'll do these movie challenges that I kind of create for myself and then I'm very committed to the bit. There was one time when I was watching, I tried to watch all of the Elvis movies in a month. Oh, God. And then, and then a couple years later, I re-upped it and I, I not only watched them again in a month, but reviewed them all in a month. So Whoa. I definitely, there's skin in the game here with, with the Elvis films. I'm definitely, those are interesting to me because of how, you know, just, just they're just a unique thing. I don't know. Now, I, I, I work with my therapist on a regular basis about why I beat myself up and why do I hate myself. As much self-hatred as I have in, inside of my person, never could I watch all of the Elvis movies. Well, okay. 
Now, I've never seen an Elvis movie. I do remember my grandma having them on in the background, but uh, I take after my mother, who was not a fan, so she would not make me watch them. And I'm curious, like, we have pop icon, just a musician, like, you know, coming over into the visual medium. Does he just chew up scenery? Are the scripts written for him? Or is he being casted in movies that were, like, clearly meant for... Like, did he have, like a character that he always embodied in these films by the time he did about six movies then he just was always the same character from there on and and the mileage varies on those how many movies did he make close to 30 there was a reason why i said it in a month it was like almost a one a day thing uh now do we have any fat elvis movies no no, yeah. his last his I, one of his last movies was Chara, which people hate. It's a western that was shot like down the street from where I live, and he's got he's got a beard. You'll never see Elvis with a beard elsewhere. But Chara was worth seeing. It's not it's not bad. But no, he wasn't. I mean, even I don't know what year that would have been, but there was no fat Elvis movies, dude. He never he never had the Crow Four Elvis movie. <laughs> <laughs> have Have you seen the Crow Four? I have only seen the first crow, I'm pretty sure, but I'm I'm interested the way you guys talked about four. Oh it's worth checking out. <laughs> it's got zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. If that does anything. Who's the, who's the crow in the second one? Because I never saw that. Uh I don't know Sting. who played. <laughs> <laughs> he you sure did. My God. Well, Tony, we've kept you here for a minute. So do you have any future plans for blob shows? Anything you can tell us? Or is it literally at Charlie's whim what you guys end up doing? It's, it's largely at her whim. Um, I, I spoke about being committed to a bit. And right now we are just marathoning through any movie with a dog on the cover. And I'm going to let her go with that. So we'll see how far that goes. Um, no, there's, I, I, I was just going to say that. Have y'all seen I that think, one? I think I saw that. I, Charlie did not see that. But yeah, that thing was insane. <laughs> There's this, I don't know. Where, where was that homeless character even supposed to be? Oh, when he just dies. I don't... I'm like, Edward James almost. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, it's so <laughs> wild. Oh, that, I love that movie. And the director no, of Treat, man. That movie's classic. <laughs> No, I'm hoping I'm hoping at some point, whether I find a TV edit or what, but I do need to show Charlie the 1988 blob. Um, I, I, we're walking a line there. I think she could probably handle it, but I mean, there's there's what I think she can handle and what my wife will let me get away with is 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 a fine line to walk. Oh, uh, man, that's really interesting, because when you were saying that I had assumed, oh, because it's boring and I don't know if she would pay attention, but is it it's too gruesome? I think I think it might be too gruesome. I mean, but I mean, I showed her Jaws like a year and a half ago, and she thought that was a little boring. But she was like five <laughs> at the time, so I thought there was there's this great jump scare. Speaking of, I told you about her first jump scare ever. I there was a story in my family that my parents went to see Jaws in theaters, and my dad like jumped out of the seat when that skull rolls through the log underwater. And so I was really waiting for Charlie to like. I'm like, I hope that there's a good jump here, and. Instead, she wasn't scared at all. She had pulled out a cell phone and was holding it in front of the TV, trying to take video, hoping that the shark would show up on screen. So 
totally different reaction than I was. She was trying to capture uh, uh, Bruce for, for her cell phone video. But Charlie's got a phone already? No, it was, a, it, it was a phone with no service on it that she watches YouTube videos on. There you go. Oh, man. Dude, wow. you, you, you got to give the kids a screen. It's just, it's going to happen. There's very, it's, it's monitored. She, I think actually that was, phone was taken away from her recently, but yeah, we, we give her 20, we give her 20 minutes a day. That's good. That's That's what Clark needs. Somebody to take his phone away from him. That's true. Hey, hey, five, five days without cigarettes. Thank you very much. Dude, you're crushing it. Congratulations. Well, I do. No one wants to smoke at 115 degree heat. I'll right, tell well, you, I will not. I will not recommend this film. But a film that Charlie saw recently that she would recommend to you guys is called Dolls from 2019, directed what? by Kyle Carvin. You guys should check that one out on Tubi. Tubi is the new. I mean, you guys used to love Amazon Prime because of the depths there, but now that's turned into Tubi. I think. Yeah, yeah. It really has. Is that you Dolls know, traditional spelling, or we got yeah. a Z at the end? It's Dolls. With, it's just. Okay. It's it's puppet. It, it's like a puppet master type thing, except you see the dolls even less and they never really move or do anything. Right. They just kind of set up traps and kill people and it's not good at all. But then my, I, I was getting text messages from my wife yesterday while I was at work saying that Charlie wanted to show her all of her favorite parts of dolls, which just resulted in her fast forwarding to all the kills. So <laughs> that's, that's my six year old. But they, do they actually show the kills? It's kind of like the kills are traps that characters fall into. It's oh. not the. It's, so if that's some real uh, bottom of the barrel uh, entertainment for you there. Dolls, trying to Dude. trying to find something to get Charlie's attention away from dolls. That was a mistake. Oh, we got we got a D Wallace in this. <laughs> yes. Oh. Okay. I mean, she she probably she was probably paid for a day. Sure. Well, you know, I love. Um, dolls from 1987 the Stuart gordon one and uh a lot of people actually i love bad band mandela effect <laughs> oh man <laughs> so good did you have you seen that one yeah i've seen them all up to to but i've seen the first eight or whatever uh, actually, i actually seen the nine yet i think he's watched more than we have yeah is that i mean i've i've delved in all of them uh, some of them, I mean, I, you know, I felt like once, uh, because here's the thing, we literally were the first people outside of Nigel Bach to watch Stillmanville Road. Like, that's how crazy <laughs> this is. Like, and that's why we're, we're so like connected with Nigel because he entrusted us to watch his second movie and we're the first people on the planet to do it. And it stunk. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> Yeah. Man. If it wasn't for the language, I would let Charlie watch those all day long. And I think she would kind of be into him. He's such a potty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, without the language, mouth. I don't know what those would be, though. <laughs> him swearing that ghost is kind of half of the whole thing. And So, Tony, Tony what, what's your favorite one so far? Uh, probably, <laughs> probably Haunted Highway. It's oh, so good, right? It's, it's it's just so out there. I I like that. I mean, it's weird to think that I didn't. You know, I like that one the most, and it left the house. But that's that's probably my favorite. I mean, well, it, the, fir- the first one's. Pro- I mean, the first one's really good for what it is. Sure. Um, Mandela effect is good. I just when he went to the sort of vignettes, 
you haven't, I mean, Russell, you haven't seen Pandemic yet, but I, I'm kind of, I don't know that he does the vignettes well. Yeah, I haven't seen um, Crescent Moon Clown either. Not, Not one of the best ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was uh, four? Man, three or four? four I think. Three, three was Batter Bid, right? I think is Mandela three, five? <laughs> Mandela, I think, is five. I'm pretty sure it goes Bad Ben, Steel Manville Road, Batter Ben, Crescent Moon Cloud. That's right, because there weren't two in a road not named Bad Ben. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, yep. No, I think I think we nailed. It. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing: um, we all know now that uh, um, the Blackwell Ghost is back at it. He's been posting on uh, his Facebook page, Clay Turner. Yeah. So I almost want Turner. I always call him Clay Turner. <laughs> I understand. It's more of a profession than a name, I guess. It is but true. um, yeah, I almost want to be like hold off on part six until seven comes out because the more it sits with me, I'm like, I don't know, man. I kind of want to go back to the the Lori Lightfoot murders. I wasn't really dealing uh, those. Were, those are really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, fuck, dude, Tony. Uh, Dude, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for coming on the show. No, I love you guys. Thanks for having me on. You guys, I don't want to turn this into a Norm MacDonald moment, but yeah, you guys, I I love you guys. You guys are great. Well, here's the thing. I highly recommend anybody listening to this that you you check out the Blob Show. It is the perfect counter to our show, which is chaos that runs too long, even though I pretend to have some sort of structure in there when Clark allows me. Uh, Because Tony and Charlie, you guys... You do something that I, I love, which is a very short podcast, because every now and then I find myself with 15 minutes and the idea of being trapped with my thoughts is uh, n- next to death, really. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit, they're talking about it, which I think is 30 minutes. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's so cool. And dude, your daughter's got a brain on her. She she analyzes film I, about as good as I started two years ago, I feel, if not better than me now. Dude, she sticks with it. Like, she did a couple episodes about uh, Majora's Mask. It, were those completely on her own? Um, mostly. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's uh, the, the occasional episode where I have the idea that she could do something on her own and would throw her the phone and she would go for, and then some of those are edited together where she'll go for like three minutes and then be done. And I'll just edit it together as one thing. But, um, but yeah, there were times where she just, she'll just be like, I want the phone. I'm going to go do an episode by. And like she did that. She did one on Nosferatu, the 1922 Nosferatu movie once. Um, yeah, those, those, those episodes are really fun for me, even though they're like usually five minutes long. She did one on Superman once, like the Superman, the Fleischer cartoons. She was. She went on about Superman for like ten minutes by herself, and I'm like, "Go!" I love those ones. We got. We got one coming out. We got an episode coming out. It's only about four minutes long. Um, There's a sneak peek. It is um, Charlie and Joey together. Only those two recounting um, that duck song from probably 2009 about the got any grapes. That's the that's the height of comedy right now in my household. So I love it. Yeah. So. Dude, Tony, seriously, fantastic show. And I I often find myself thinking, I wonder how special that podcast is going to be in like 15 years to you. 
where it's like just this perfect little time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. I def- I'm, I'm definitely cautious of who this is for and if this is a good idea or not, That's, <laughs> which is, which is why the, the first rule of this is only going to go on as long as she enjoys it. Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, if, if, if in 10 years she wants all the episodes pulled and that's an embarrassment, then that's where we're going to have to go, I guess. But I mean, she, she loves it and, and likes the, even if she doesn't understand the idea of who might or might not be listening. And trust me, the, the numbers are maybe like 10 to 15. So, but, uh, but yeah, she, she gets the idea that there are people that might be listening to it and, and she likes, she, she enjoys it. So. Well, she's incredibly interesting, which is something we're still trying to figure out how to be. So <laughs> congratulations. Indeed. Tony, man, I, I love you, dude. We got to have you back on. And if honestly, if you run into anything that you think me and Clark are going to be into, um, shoot it our way. I have a note here from um, when you wrote an email about the uh, noir western <laughs> bit that I was doing. What the hell? Ombre de la... I can't even <laughs> pretend. <it. laughs> you, you mentioned- I, don't remember, I don't even remember what I, what I recommended. Was it Day of the Outlaw? It was the gunfighter and 40 guns. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got to see those. And I promise you, I will, I will cover those at some point before Clark officially. uh, Keep that, keep that, keep that, keep that segment alive. Okay. okay. Tony said I can. (laughs) Clark, you can't shut it down. There's too many segments. It's hats on hats. (laughs) I'm making up for you. Remember on episode what? 350 or something we're like oh we're gonna no not 350 what happened yeah what happened to that one like npr style segment clark did one time tony that took everything out of my body (laughs) that that took me like four hours to do and he was angry the whole time and it's like dude only recently has clark been showing up smiling Normally, it's like, don't make eye contact with them. Don't look at him. Me and Oksana, we have our heads down. We set it. I come in early so I could set up his mic stand. And if I like accidentally make eye contact, he's like, well, what's wrong with you? So this is a whole new uh, world we're living in. I have to be in character. (laughs) And then Randy gets on the line and he puts on his sunglasses and his hat and he's like, Randy. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where was this? (laughs) Randy straight up wears Waldo right now. <laughs> Charlie dressed as Waldo for Halloween this past year. Oh, Randy dresses every nice. day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right, Tony, I will stop stealing your time. I, dude, I love you to death, and I mean it. You got to come back on sometime. Great man. Anytime. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>